Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Uh, Tonight, I want to talk to you. I I picked about the cheesiest title I possibly could, but I'm okay with that. I usually don't like cheesy jokes, but I couldn't get over this one, so I just left it. So the title of tonight's message is Faith Your Fears. I just thought that was kind of fun. Sorry if that's offensive, but Faith Your Fears is perfect. So uh, that's... That has nothing, yeah, whatever. I just felt like that would be a fun title and I couldn't get away from it. So faith, your fears. Oh my gosh, everybody just say that with me. One, two, three. Faith, your fears. See, that's why you like it. Okay, so here's why I chose this topic, if I could just be really honest with you and really particular and specific about my life. I was battling through some fear. And, uh, and as I'm battling through this, Literally, as I'm talking to the Lord about this, I realize that's what I should preach on. And so when I bring this message tonight, it's not coming from a place of, I just picked a message out of the hat and I figured that I would preach on this topic or I just found something to preach on. It's something that the Lord's been working with me on. So I want to talk to you today about the difference between faith and fear. And no, I will not use that title anymore throughout this service. Now, he's just kind of cool. Last week, Rob Bellamy preached an amazing word. Was anybody here for that? I love, see, here's what you guys don't get that we kind of have the privilege of getting. We get all these words and all these nuggets of wisdom from him throughout the week. So it's really nice. We don't have to wait. And so we hear all this stuff all the time. He preached an incredible word out of the depth of what God's led him through. I love people like that when you can tell that this comes from the depth of their heart and their life experience. Anybody like that? When you can relate He preached about the wilderness and when the children of Israel were in the wilderness. And at the very end of it, he began talking about the fear that they experienced when they encountered the Red Sea. Okay, so Pharaoh had let them go. They were running, they were running, probably not exactly running. Tons of people, women, children, everybody. They're going and then Pharaoh's army begins chasing them. Now the word in the actual Hebrew text suggests that, that, that Pharaoh's army was kind of surrounding them on all sides except the Red Sea. And Rob explained this. And so they began to get in fear and they began to complain. And, and, and they kind of just were freaking out, to be honest with you. And what did God tell Moses? He said, you need to get up and you need to go. You need to do something about this. And I love the goodness of God because watch this. God had just done all these miracles to get them out of Egypt And they begin complaining at the first sign of trouble. It's a big sign of trouble, let's be honest. But it's the first sign of trouble. They begin complaining. They begin totally worrying about everything. But God is so good that in spite of their complaining and their worry, he provides a way out. Isn't that amazing about God? It wasn't because they were so great. It wasn't because they were walking in faith at that time. It was purely because he's good. Also, just a side note, if I'm God and I saved them from Egypt and then they died right after, it would be kind of a bummer for me. So I might want to get them out of there. So just a thought on that. But he talked about that fear, and I think it's fascinating because here in America, we deal with so much fear. In fact, I was reading some statistics where they were talking about how it seems that anxiety disorders are more prevalent in developed countries than in developing countries. We have a lot of stressors all the time here. Maybe you're here today and you're experiencing job-related stress and fear. A lot of guys around here and ladies work in the oil industry, and we all know how that goes. 
And I talk to a lot of people who say, well, sometimes, you know, my job is here and then it's here and then I don't know if I have any hours and all kinds of things. Maybe you feel like your job might be on the line no matter what it is. Maybe you're experiencing some form of PTSD. Maybe you're here and your kid is going to college and you're worried about that, worried that they're going to eat macaroni and ramen for the rest of their life. Maybe you're here today and you're worried about how are you going to reconcile your marriage? Maybe you're worried about the fact that your kid's been making some choices that you're not sure are the right choices. If you're any of those categories, this message is for you. If you're not in any of those categories, my guess is you have experienced fear. You probably will experience fear. And so probably this message is for you as well. You probably know somebody who's walking through something right now. This message is for you so that you can love on them and help them. So we're going to deal with a couple of things today. Moses was the leader of the children of Israel throughout their journey from leaving Egypt, going through the wilderness, and he was supposed to get them to the promised land, but some things kind of got a little crazy. So he walked with the Israelites through successes and triumphs through fears and failures, through embarrassment and through victory. And then at the end, he passed it on to a man named Joshua. Joshua carried it on. He led them into the promised land. So today, here's what I want to do. I want to use a portion of the Israelite story to teach us what fear is and how it contrasts with faith. Then after that, I want to use the life of Joshua to show us how to choose faith instead of fear. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day and we love you. We know that you are not the author of fear. You didn't create us to be fearful people. You created us to be bold. In fact, you say that God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So as I communicate today, I'm asking that you would communicate through me to your people. God, I'm asking that you would teach people about what it means to walk in faith instead of fear. I'm asking that you would help me to get out of the way so that you could say what you want to say and that everybody would receive. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. If you have your Bible, go with me to Deuteronomy 1, 19 through 28. 1, 19 through 28. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. Now, this is Moses, and he's retelling the story of what had happened with the Israelites. He's kind of reminding them of it, okay? So he says, Then, just as the Lord our God commanded us, we left Mount Sinai, and we traveled through the great and terrifying wilderness. That just sounds like an interest. Sounds like the movie Elf. And he says, Then I walked through the Lincoln Tunnel. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay. So we traveled through the great and terrifying wilderness, as you yourselves remember, and headed toward the hill country of the Amorites. When we arrived at Kadesh Barnea, I told you, you have now reached the hill country of the Amorites that the Lord your God is giving us. Look, he has placed the land in front of you. Go and occupy it as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has promised you. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. But you all came out to me, and you said, first let us send out scouts to explore the land for us. They'll advise us on the best route to take and which towns we should enter. This seemed like a good idea to me, so I chose 12 scouts, one from each of your tribes. They headed for the hill country and came to the valley of Eshkol and explored it. They picked some of its fruit and brought it back to us. By the way, this fruit that they brought, these clusters of grapes were so large they had to carry them between two people. This was serious, serious stuff. 
So they reported, the land the Lord our God has given us is indeed a good land. But you rebelled. Moses really didn't pull many punches, you know. You rebelled against the command of the Lord your God and refused to go in. You complained in your tents and said, the Lord must hate us. That's why he's brought us here from Egypt, to hand us over to the Amorites to be slaughtered. Where can we go? Our brothers have demoralized us with their report. And they tell us the people of the land are taller and more powerful than we are, and their towns are large with walls rising high into the sky. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. So let's kind of get this straight for a second. If you've ever heard the story or just watched the movie Prince of Egypt or something like that with the Mariah Carey song, you will know that God had done amazing things for the children of Israel. All these plagues that had happened in the land of Egypt to convince the Pharaoh to let them go. There's a lot of complexity to that. Getting them through the Red Sea safely, literally parting a sea in two so this nation, this is not a small town, this is a nation so that they could walk through it. And then collapsing the sea again on their enemies. This is serious stuff that God had done for them. They had seen amazing things. But they come upon this place, and there's giants, and it scares them to the point where they don't want to go in. It's fascinating to me. They'd seen all these incredible things, but they were too scared to go and take what God had promised to them. But you got to think about it. These are actually real giants. And we oftentimes think of the Bible as kind of a bunch of stories. There's a lot of backstory to this giant thing, but it's an actual thing that was around back then. So in light of all they had seen, the evidence would suggest, and it would even kind of scream to us in hindsight, we're kind of Monday morning quarterbacking this, that they should have gone in and believed God. Here's the thing. They chose not to listen. The promised land is a picture for you and I of the victorious Christian life here on this earth. I heard Pastor Hagen from Ramah say that so many people back in the, in the day used to sing songs about Canaan land like it was about heaven. But if you read the story, Joshua was a picture of Jesus and they were fighting in Canaan in the promised land. There's no fighting in heaven. So it can't be about heaven. It's got to be about our victorious life on this earth. There's so much to this. Again, Joshua is a picture of Jesus. I want to highlight something for you that I find kind of fascinating. If the promised land is a picture of the victorious, spirit-filled life, check this out. Joshua is a picture of Jesus. Jesus' name was Yeshua. So Jesus gets baptized in the Jordan River, and the Holy Spirit descends upon him like a dove. Then he goes to be tested in the wilderness. I want you to see this really quick. Joshua and the children of Israel, in order to get to the promised land, which signifies the spirit-filled victorious life for us, they had to go through the Jordan River and they had to fight once they got in. Do you see that Joshua and Jesus parallel in that way? Joshua went through this river and he fought. Jesus was baptized in this river and he fought the devil on our behalf. It's amazing to see how the Lord's tied all this together. You can't make this stuff up. So the truth is that you and I often carry a lot of these same thought processes that the Israelites carried in our hearts. You may think, well, it's ridiculous. If they saw the Lord part the sea, then why couldn't they trust him for this or for that? Well, you and I would probably do the same thing, just to be honest with you. It was a small percentage of people who believed God. In fact, it was Caleb Joshua and Moses, out of all those people who believed that God would do what he said he would do. 
So don't think that you're a lot better than them, that you would have gotten it right, because you know what? I probably wouldn't have gotten it right. One time I was going through a really rough patch in life, and I remembered this conference that I went to where Dr. Henry Cloud spoke, and he spoke about pulling yourself out of a downward spiral. And he suggested that you write a list of all the negative things that you're thinking and feeling, and then you make a column, and on the other column, you write a list of the arguments for those feelings. So I did that with the word of God. So that's what we're going to do today with fear and with faith. Are you guys okay with that? So starting in your notes, if you've got them, if you don't, you can lift your hands, and I'm sure somebody can run some notes to you. We're going to contrast fear and faith. There's a couple people who need notes. Sorry about that, guys. We're going to contrast fear and faith. Everybody say fear. Everybody say faith. All right, first one. Are you ready? Fear predicts, faith promises. Fear predicts and faith promises. If you look at it, Deuteronomy 1, verse 21, Moses said, go and occupy it, the land, as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has promised you. Fear makes assumptions and it predicts things. Watch this in verse 27. Here's what the Israelites said. They said, you complained. Uh, Moses said, you complained in your tents and said, the Lord must hate us. That's why he's brought us here from Egypt to hand us over to the Amorites to be slaughtered. Here's the thing. The Israelites were fabricating a possibility in their minds and acting like it was certain to happen. They were literally imagining things, sitting in their tents, just imagining, imagining the worst possible thing that could happen. But Moses was telling us, this is what God promised to you. This is what's going to happen. You can sit around thinking about what you can imagine might happen, God's motives that you think he has, or you can take him at his word. So fear always predicts something. It always imagines something. It always makes something up. But faith promises us that God will do what he says he'll do. Psalm 138.2 says that God's promises are backed by the honor of his name. God's promises are backed by the honor of his name. We live in in Texas where a lot of guys take that very seriously. If I gave you my word, my word is my bond. I back it up with my name. You know what I'm saying? At least in the old school Texas. So if God tells us that, then I'm pretty sure we can take that seriously. I love the story. President James A. Garfield once talked about an old man who said he had a great many troubles in his life, but the worst of them never happened. You can hold on to troubles that are never going to come to pass, but they'll trouble you just like they did because you're sitting there imagining them all the time. Number two, check this out. Fear paralyzes. Faith propels. Fear paralyzes, but faith propels. Again, in Deuteronomy 1.21, Moses said, go and occupy it. He didn't say sit around and hopefully it'll come to you. He said, go, do something about it, occupy it. In Matthew 14, 27 through 29, many people know this portion of scripture, you may not. It's when Peter walked on water when Jesus called him. But I want you to see this really quick. It says, but Jesus spoke to them at once, the disciples who were in the boat. He said, don't be afraid, take courage, I'm here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. Peter made a move towards God while the other people stayed put. What faith will do for you 
is it will cause you to step out in ways that you never thought you could. In ways that some people might call a little bit ridiculous. I feel like there was an easier way for Peter to ask the Lord that question. Like he could have said, Lord, if it's really you, what's my birthday? You know, or something a little bit easier than that. But instead he said, how about I just jump out of this boat into the storm and see what happens? That's faith. Faith causes you to move. Faith propels you. Fear paralyzes you, dead in your tracks. What did God tell the Israelites when they faced the Red Sea? They stopped and they started whining and God said, move, do something. I'll show you what to do. You may not know what the next step is. And the Bible says the Lord orders the steps of a righteous man. I had a friend tell me one time, that means you have to take steps. I was like, huh, I guess I have to. I didn't really want to at the time, probably. But you have to move. You have to do something and give God something to work with. Number three, fear zeroes in and faith zooms out. Fear zeroes in and faith zooms out. Matthew 6, 24 through 30, Jesus is talking and he says, that's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? You know, I've always thought about that even like, why do you worry about your clothes? A lot of parents, when the school year rolls around, how are we going to get the kids school clothes this year? Jesus is addressing your everyday concerns, the thing that plague us in life. How am I going to pay the grocery bill? How am I going to pay for my kid's school clothes? If this kid doesn't stop growing two inches a week, we're going to go bankrupt. All those kinds of things that we think about in this world. Fear sees the individual issue and it magnifies it to be as large and as menacing as it can possibly be. But faith sees through the, the wide angle lens of God's goodness, his eternal unchanging love, and it understands that if God ordained it, then it's what's best for me. So I can step out and not have to worry. So don't zoom in on problems, but try to ask God for a wide angle to see, okay, God, what's the scope of what you're doing here? Number four, fear hides, but faith exposes. Fear hides, but faith exposes. In Deuteronomy 1.27, I noticed what Moses said here. He says, you complained in your tents. That creeps me out if I live there. That's like if the mayor or the president was walking around like kind of putting his ear on your tent, like, oh, what are they saying in there? Either that or he heard it from his leaders or something like that. But I just picture him walking through the camp, you know, maybe putting on a little disguise or something and listening to what the people are saying. You're sitting around in your tent complaining, hiding from me and complaining. But look at Joshua and Caleb. They were the two spies. These two spies had gone into the land of Canaan. It's kind of what happened. These 12 spies. But 10 of them came back with a bad report. They said, it's too big. We can never make it happen. Two of them, Joshua and Caleb, said, let's do this. We got it. God's on our side. Joshua and Caleb were vocal about the fact that they trusted and believed in God. They were vocal about that fact when they probably shouldn't have been because the people wanted to kill them after that. They probably should have said, you know what? Let's give it up. We'll just live in the desert. It'll be fine. 
but they chose to be vocal. Gideon, when God found Gideon in the book of Judges, he was in a wine press hiding from the invading army. The next step that he took was he came out of the wine press. God called him a, a mighty man of valor. He's hiding. He came out of the wine press. And then he did this amazing thing by tearing down this pole. It was kind of like an idol. But he did it under the cover of darkness because he was scared. So he took a baby step, but he's still hiding and he's still in fear. The story concludes with him taking on an entire huge army with a small band of people and their primary weapons were pots and trumpets. He went from hiding to walking out into the open and allowing the Lord to be his protection. So you and I think that when we operate in faith, that we're going to be exposed and that God's not going to protect us, but that's not true. Psalm 91 says that if you abide in the shelter of the Most High, that he becomes your refuge, that he watches out for you. And you can be in the most uncomfortable, scary place ever like David was. He's running from Saul, but he said, the Lord is my refuge. You don't have to fear if you're walking in faith. Number five, fear shifts, but faith is fixed. Faith is fixed. Notice how the Israelites would always kind of change their tune. They'd have faith in one moment, and the next moment, they'd be totally freaking out again. They, they, they are scared out of their minds at the Red Sea. Then they cross it, and then they start singing songs about how great God is. Thank you, God. They couldn't make up their minds as to what they believed, but faith fixes its eyes on something, and it says, if God told me I could have that, there's no way I'm going to be held back from getting it. Joshua and Caleb, they had faith about entering the promised land before they got there. When they spied out the land, they still had faith about it. When the people wanted to kill them for having faith about it, they still had faith about it. And 40 years later, when they finally got to go in, they still had faith about it. They fixed their eyes. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 through 18 says, so we don't look at the troubles we can see now, verse 18. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that can't be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we can't see will last forever. Number six, fear is a projection. Faith is prophetic. Fear is a projection and faith is prophetic. I mean projection in two ways. First of all, Merriam-Webster online says that projection, a projection is the attribution of one's own ideas, feelings, or attitudes to other people or objects, especially the externalization of blame, guilt, or responsibility as a defense against anxiety. I don't think the Israelites ever did this, right? They would go around like crazy people doing this. As soon as something happened, they would say, uh, you told us and now we're all going to die. That's exactly what their response was. Listen, they said God brought them out of Egypt to make them die. God didn't make them leave. They could have stayed in Egypt if they wanted to, but they chose to go. But when things got tough and they were in fear, they were going to push the blame onto him. They said, you know what? These spies that went out, they demoralized us with their report. It was their idea to send spies out. But anxiety and fear pushes things on other people. Fear is kind of like a hologram. You ever seen when they do like Elvis or Tupac? They did a Tupac one. Don't watch it. Uh, <laughs> they do these holograms, right? And they have these things where they'll project Elvis and he'll be singing live, but he's not really there. Fear looks real. It feels real. It sounds real. But there's no substance to it. 
Faith sees a prophetic picture in the future. It's a God-ordained destiny and vision for your life. And it latches its hope onto that. Hebrews 11.1 1 in the Amplified says, now faith is the assurance, the title deed, or the confirmation of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed, and the evidence of things not seen. It's the conviction of their reality. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. So fear projects something and makes it look like it's real with no substance. Faith believes something even if it can't see it, and it says, you know what, this is the substance of all my hopes. You see the difference there? Faith is telling you, trust God at his word. Fear is telling you, well, you can just imagine something and see if it'll happen. Here's a bonus for you that's not in your notes. Fear forces and faith, faith offers. Fear jumps on you. It creeps in on you when you least expect it, right? Anybody ever notice that? Out of nowhere, boom, fear. When Jesus called Peter out, he didn't say, get out here right now. He didn't yank him out of the boat. What are you doing in that boat? He said, yeah, come. It was your idea. Just go for it. Weird idea, but just do it. Whenever Jesus called Matthew, the tax collector, to be his disciple, he's sitting on his booth. He didn't yank him out of the booth and say, give these people their money back and head over here with me. He said, come on. Fear will force itself on you, but faith will offer itself to you. It will present you with an opportunity that you have to take because nobody else can take it for you. Now, the great thing is that Philippians 2.13 says that it is God who works in you both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. That means that he can give you the willpower and the ability to, to grab on to faith. You just got to trust him. Here's something to think about really quick. At the root of fear is a lack of trust in either or all of these, God's ability, willingness, or character. It's the act of assuming that our father cannot do what he says he can do or that we can't do what he says we can do. Fear calls God a liar. And we do it all the time. In my opinion, one of the most striking verses in this passage is verse 27, where they said, you, Moses said, you complained in your tents and you said the Lord must hate us. That's why he's brought us from here to Egypt to hand us over to the Amorites to be slaughtered. Now, God's pretty wise. If I'm God, I'm not gonna waste my time doing all these miracles and getting all these people out of here if I hate them and I'm just gonna kill them anyways. You know that song, he didn't bring me this far just to leave me? They were singing, he brought us this far just to kill us or something like that, I don't know. You wouldn't think I'm the worship pastor here with that kind of singing. Awesome, it's all fake, I'm just kidding. But what a thought, you know? When we fear, we really doubt God's ability, his willingness, or his character. Either you're not able to do it, you just don't want to do it, maybe you're busy, or your character says that you said you'd do it, but now I think you changed your mind. So how do we then pursue faith and not walk in fear? Great example is the life of Joshua because Joshua was around through every bit of this. Joshua watched the good, the bad, and the ugly of all this. He was from Egypt. He had lived there. Uh, he was an Israelite from Egypt. And so he came through this whole process, and he was one of two people who made it to the promised land, him and Caleb. So Joshua 1, 1 through 9, Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9 says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, listen to what God says. I think it's just funny. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. I love that God just says, he died, now do something. 
He doesn't pause. He doesn't give time to think about it. God says, listen, there's a job to do. Let's get it done. That doesn't mean there wasn't a grieving process for this man, but God wanted to remind him of the vision and the prophetic vision for the future of Israel and for his family. So God goes on and says, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I've given to you, just as I promised to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, which is the Mediterranean, toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. So he's outlining the borders, reminding him, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Don't turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you've got to meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that's written in it. For then will you make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? This is kind of like, did I not already tell you what you say to your kids when they don't clean their room? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So three things we can learn from just this one passage about Joshua. Track with me here, because this is really important stuff. Number one, Joshua wasn't immune to fear. He conquered fear. Joshua wasn't immune to fear. He conquered fear. When I was a kid, somebody got me sick at school, and I can never get that sickness again because this one kid got me sick. I'm not immune to it because I've never been through it, I'm immune to it because I conquered it and I came up victorious on the other side. That's what protects me from it. So Joshua wasn't immune to fear. He had conquered it and he knew that fear was an illusion, but that faith was built on the promises of God. He still dealt with fear even after 40 years of experiencing God's goodness in the wilderness. Listen, Joshua experienced all the plagues that happened in Jesus. He walked with them through the Red Sea. He saw manna fall from the sky for them to eat. He saw water gush out of a rock for these people to drink. They conquered kingdoms while they were in the wilderness. But he still dealt with fear. You know how I know? Because from verses six to nine of this passage, God says, be strong and courageous or something like that three times from verses six to nine, which tells me he wasn't getting it. He was still dealing with fear. Now, I might be too if somebody told me my fearless leader for 40 years died, now go do, go do something about it. That's a pretty scary thing. There's probably about at least a million people in the nation of Israel at that time and God's telling them to go conquer a land. God wasn't just repeating himself. God was proving a point. Joshua knew that fear doesn't just rob us, number two, of personal blessings. It inhibits God's destiny and purpose from being accomplished in our lives and the lives of those around us. See, if Joshua would have shrunk back from this task, let's just say it was a million people. A million people would not have gone into the land that God would have given them. But there's more. Because this land was, this, was kind of the scene and the scenario for things like Gideon's victory that we talked about, for people like King David and King Saul and King Solomon. And eventually it became the scenario and the situation for Jesus to come and to change the world. 
If Joshua wouldn't have done his job, either that wouldn't have happened or God would have got one of his buddies to do it, probably Caleb. And we had been reading the book of Caleb instead of the book of Joshua. Your destiny, I have a friend who says this, is not just about you. It's connected to hundreds and even thousands of other people. You have no idea who they are. If you're a teacher, if you're a mechanic, how many people do you encounter in a day? If you're not walking in your God-given potential and your divine destiny, who are you cheating? God loves you too much to leave you where you're at. Number three, Joshua knew that the only way to defeat fear, I love this one, this is the hardest one, by the way, was to stay close to the Lord and to obey his every word. This is the one we struggle with, you know? I think it's why the Israelites couldn't quite grasp the concept of walking in faith. They were always waffling on this, but I don't think they were staying close to the Lord. There's a secret about Joshua. Moses would go to what was called the tent of meeting, okay? Moses would go and he would meet with the Lord there. Interesting thing, the people would get out of their tents and they would watch. Because when somebody met with God, like we get to walk into the presence of God, that's not normal. It wasn't to them. They would watch because this was incredible. This man was going to go talk to the living God. But when he would leave, do you know who would stay there in the tent? Joshua. Joshua knew God and he knew God's character so well that he trusted him no matter what happened. He had spent a lot of time in the presence of God before that crossing the Jordan and taking over came up. If you and I aren't willing to spend our time in the presence of God, we can't expect to be strong when the challenge comes. The Bible says that in the presence of the Lord, there's fullness of joy. And Nehemiah 8.10 says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. If you want strength, you got to get it from joy. If you want joy, you got to get it from God's presence. Grumpy Christians, I'm not saying this because I've not been there. I'm saying this because I've been there. Grumpy Christians probably didn't spend a lot of time with Jesus. At least not that day. A lot of times that's the case. Just a thought. I say that because I think of myself in traffic. But anyways, that's nothing. <laughs> really quick. Joshua 1, 7 through 8 and Matthew 6, 33. Very similar in nature. Really interesting. Joshua 1, 7 through 8 says, Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. And I'm going to paraphrase it. He says, listen, don't deviate from these rules. Keep them in your head, seek them all the time, and you're going to succeed in every area of life. Matthew 6, Jesus, again, Joshua, a picture of Jesus. Jesus says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness or right living. And all these things will be added unto you. The message never changed. And this is in the same passage where Jesus is talking about not focusing on the little things that try to capture your attention, the clothes and the food and the work and all these things. But he says, get the big picture. If you'll focus on honoring the Lord and walking with him, everything you need will be added unto you. We've got to walk as people who understand that we don't have to be immune to fear. We got to conquer fear. We don't have to let fear rob us of our personal blessings, but we can walk in faith and we can set people up to fulfill their divine destiny. And we've got to be people who know that the only way to defeat fear is to stay close to the Lord and to do everything he says to do. And when we mess it up, we got to say, whoops, sorry about that, Lord. Get me back on track as quick as possible. So here's the thing. 
The difference between people who succeed and people who shrink back isn't a lack of fear. It's the ability to put fear in its place and trust God's word. It's not the lack of fear. It's the ability to tell fear where to go and to put your trust in God's word. So the choice is yours. Will you allow fear to steal your potential that God gave to you from before you were born, by the way? Every mess up that you'd ever made, the Bible says it was recorded in his book before you were born. So when you made that mistake, he didn't go, ooh, that was not according to what I had in mind. Now, it wasn't his plan. He didn't want you to do that, but he kind of knew about it already. He knew you were going to make the choice. He still chose you. Don't fear that. Or will you allow faith to propel you to your God-given destiny? You can be paralyzed by fear or you can be propelled by faith. It's your choice. So let's make that decision today. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this day. I thank you for these precious people who love you. Every one of us is affected by fear at one point or another in our lives. And the point of all this is that we should be prepared for how to deal with it. When it comes, we got to know you well, like Joshua did. And we got to know your character and we got to know your ability and your willingness. Fear causes us to be ashamed of the past and afraid of the future so that we miss out on the present. But God, faith causes us to remember the great things that you've done in the past, to look forward to your plan for the future and to embrace the present in Jesus' name. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.